Hello and welcome to JP Morgan's At Any Rate podcast. I'm Meera Chandan from FX Strategy. And today I'm joined by Arindam Sundalia and Ben Shatil from FX Strategy in Asia. So the discussion today is focused on the likelihood uh, for markets to break key FX levels. Uh, taking a step back, we have been recommending uh, dollar strength uh, broadly. Uh, we re- reiterated that view in mid-August uh, when a fresh wave of growth downgrades started unfolding outside of the U.S., Uh, So in our view, the recent dollar strength is well explained by these macro developments. Uh, But now, clearly, the dollar index is approaching its post-COVID highs. Uh, We're approaching or have broken through key levels of several dollar bears. And in particular, there are three bellwethers um, that stand out here. Uh, Firstly, euro dollar, which is now once again uh, stalling just below parity. Uh, Dollar yen, of course, which is now broken through 140. Uh, And dollar CNY, which is hovering uh, just below the key 7.0 level. So let's focus on these three pairs for today, and let's start with uh, dollar-yen. Ben, 140 has been your long-standing target for dollar-yen. What has driven the move so far in your view? Thanks, Mira. Yeah, I mean, we have had a 140 target, as you say, and we've broken through that this week. Look, I think what's changed at the margin is the pricing of the Fed, in other words, Fed expectations going into and and certainly post-Jackson Hole. And I think what that has meant for dollar yen is that um, what we've seen is that the pair's sensitivity to the front end of the U.S. yield curve has increased. So as you've had extra hikes priced in um, or indeed cuts taken out of the price for next year, uh, you've seen dollar yen become quite sensitive to those moves. And that has been, I'd say, the principal reason that you've had this this move up towards and and now through 140 over the past, uh, well, few sessions. So... I think policy divergence, the Fed versus the BOJ, is, is certainly the you know, front and center in terms of how we're thinking about dollar-yen. But the, the other point I'd make is that this idea of policy divergence is, you know, it's no longer a kind of a solely US-centric kind of an idea. And what I mean by that is when we think about other central banks that are running negative interest rate policy, um, you know, the BOJ is, is really setting up to become the, the, the only central bank globally to maintain, maintain negative rates. So next week, we have the ECB likely to hike out a negative rate policy. Um, later in September, uh, we'll have the SMB, the Swiss National Bank, um, similarly probably going to come out of, say, of, of negative rates policy. So I think what that means for dollar yen and, and for the yen more broadly is that, you know, you're left with pretty much the, you know, globally the, the last zero to negative yielding currency. Um, and I think the question mark now is whether, you know, because of that, yen funded carry trades start to or, or indeed increase even further. So you have on the one hand, you know, dollar yen coming under pressure from the Fed, the, the BOJ, BOJ differential, but on a broader basis, potentially this idea that the, the yen um, you know, becomes a funder again, putting pressure on the yen more broadly. So what sort of targets uh, do you have in mind for dollar yen at this point? Yeah, so if we think about dollar yen sensitivity to Fed pricing, what really matters is, is the terminal rate. And I think markets are pricing that at just under 4% at the moment. So if we think about that relationship, every additional 25 basis point hike in the price is worth almost three yen of upside for dollar yen. So if you think that you know, it's, it's, it's possible for that terminal rate pricing to get up to you know, 4.25, 450, dollar yen at 143, 145, that kind of mid, low to mid handle in the 140s looks pretty achievable, I'd say. 
And I think the other point I'd make is, you know, from 140 all the way up to 147, which was the 1998 high on, on dollar yen, um, there are no strong resistance levels on sort of from a technical standpoint. So we're in a bit of a vacuum. So I think, you know, if I think about the risk at this point, um, assuming that U.S. yields have further to run, it's probably going to be more upside, um, you know, relative to yields um, over the next, you know, sort of coming weeks and, and potentially months. So that's a, that's a pretty uh, emphatic, more upside risk around uh, dollar yen here, uh, despite being at fairly key levels. Uh, let's now turn to dollar CNY. Uh, Arindam, is, uh, is the story similar for dollar CNY? 6.95 has clearly been your target uh, also for a while now, uh, but the PBOC has been putting the brakes on with its fixings. Uh, do you think that um, just like dollar yen, uh, we will see a break, a uh, decisive break upwards of 7.0 for dollar CNY as well. Hi, Mira. Yes, uh, uh, thanks for that. Uh, I, I do think that we will eventually uh, test and break 7.0 in dollar CNY. Uh, the PBOC is trying to slow the move down, as you said, as does every emerging market central bank when it perceives the pace of the FX move to be too rapid or sharp for its liking. But uh, the, the long history of EM central bank FX interventions teaches us that rarely, if ever, does that uh, alter the medium-term path of the currency. And the only exceptions uh, are the rare ones where the currency is obviously over or undershooting fundamentals, and even then, it takes some time for uh, a return to fair value. That's patently not the case with CNY, because with the CFED's basket around one or two, we are not very far from a rough fair value in the PBOC's mind around 100. Right? And as far as the medium-term trajectory of the CNY goes, you know, that is very much a function of the domestic growth slump that looks kind of structural and policy-driven in nature at this point, given the issues around zero COVID and housing. And it's likely to be increasingly compounded by a relatively newer concern on the export front, which thus far has been a source of support for the CNY, but which uh, to us increasingly looks like it's on the cusp of eroding judging from this week's uh, weak Kaizen PMI print that tends to survey export-oriented SMEs, and particularly the new export orders component on that survey fell quite sharply. And this is not unique to China at all. This is uh, sort of common to export order PMI declines across other parts of North Asia as well. So unless COVID or housing policies change, these bearish forces look uh, substantial enough in our mind to sustain the downward pressure on CNY, and hence a break of 7-0 sort of looks like a matter of when, not if. So what, what kind of targets um, do you have in mind when thinking about uh, dollar CNY? Oh, we have a 12-month ahead target of 705. We can argue that that looks quite uh, tame. So uh, why even bother with uh, a long dollar CNY trade, which we've been in for a while now? Uh, and I have to recognize that uh, the CNY end of the day is a highly managed low ball currency. So even if you're talking about relatively tame central scenario total returns of 3 to 4%, we have to deflate it by also 5% currency ball, which is half the, the DM standard. Also, beyond the modal move, uh, you want the skewness of risks in the trade to be with you. And I think uh, we and most investors recognize that in the case of China, there exists a left tail of outcomes here should property sector distress deepen or should you get some sort of geopolitical event, right? Second, uh, you know, even though investors may want large 640 to 680 type jumps in the currency to happen all the time so that they can profitably monetize those moves, you also have to recognize that initial conditions are not the same as we had in, uh, in early Q2. So the shock value of the Ukraine war and the zero COVID lockdowns won't repeat again, or at least not nearly to the same extent. You're not going to see uh, $40, $45 billion of foreign bond withdrawals every quarter as happened during that March to May period. 
And uh, from a positioning standpoint, our EM investor survey for August shows that short CNY positions are almost as large as they got to after the CNY devaluation in 2015-16, right? So, so forces are at play here that suggest that the pace of moves from here should slow. And finally, it's also worth mentioning that uh, China weakness is not just about CNY alone. So yes, we have a CNY trade, but given China's extensive trade linkages with the rest of Asia, uh, you know, the, the China view also sets, uh, sets us up for uh, running a fairly broad set of uh, bearish Asian FX uh, views as well. And the runaway moves that we saw in the Korean won this week on the back of a large decline in the Korean trade balance, particularly exports to China is just one example of that. So, so now, you know, for us in China, just as we are dealing with this tyranny of big figures, CNY running up against potential resistance against 7-0, it seems to have uh, migrated to Europe as well. And you know, why is euro dollar stalled at 1-0 and not broken decisively below parity, Mira? Yes, it's, uh, it's been quite interesting, hasn't it? Uh, you know, every time euro dollar has managed to below, uh, break below parity, it's kind of uh, remained well above the 99 level and just hasn't been able to break that handle. Uh, in this latest round, I, I would say when we retreated our bearish euro dollar uh, view in mid-August, uh, one of the main risks uh, we highlighted was uh, the uh, possibility of a more hawkish than expected ECB. Uh, at that time, markets were pricing in just around 50 basis points of hikes uh, from the ECB uh, in the September meeting. Uh, so there was clearly scope for increases, uh, which could have a spillover uh, impact on euro. Now, markets have um, since then become more fully priced uh, for the meeting next week. We have 67 basis points priced in. Uh, and I think more widely, uh, 75 basis points has generally become more expected, certainly even by our uh, own economists. And, uh, and beyond the September meeting, we have uh, just over, we have more than 50 basis points priced in uh, for a hike in October as well. So I think the ECB has repriced and that repricing um, is probably the one thing that has uh, prevented the dollar from uh, breaking uh, uh, substantially lower. But I still think that my net takeaway from the price action is that it has been encouraging um, in that uh, dollar hasn't actually strengthened outright uh, in response to this ECB repricing. It stayed near parity. So that, that in itself is kind of an encouraging signal. Uh, the other development that has um, that has happened this week, and I think could be part of why euro dollar has been well supported, is the uh, proposed power plan that is now being uh, considered by the European Commission. We've had several uh, headlines around this, and this has become a space to watch, uh, since depending on how it's implemented, it does has the potential to shave some of the tail risks, uh, or at least to reduce some of the tail risks in Europe. Uh, in a nutshell, uh, the options there could range from uh, on the most bullish side, for euro uh, would involve things like price caps, which are fiscally funded. Uh, this could have the net effect of firstly reducing inflation expectations, um, taking off some of the growth risks, and in all opening the door for more ECB hikes. So this combination could actually uh, give uh, euro a bit more support uh, if it were to be realized, or whether it's actually realized in a different manner. Uh, the other options uh, like delinking electricity prices from gas prices uh, could also take some of the very extreme tail risks off the table. The other fair amount of uncertainty about this. Uh, we'll have more details upcoming um, uh, when the energy ministers uh, meet on September 9th, and then we get more details 
from the European Commission on September 14th, but certainly could be a space to watch as to why euro dollar, um, you know, and, and probably is one reason why euro dollar is trading, uh, failing to break below uh, parity decisively. So, so then, uh, despite these uncertainties, uh, are you still bearish the euro? Do you still see uh, 95 as the trough of your forecast profile for second half? Uh, yes, we we would we we are still maintaining our bearish stance on euro. I think 95 is still within reach. Um, you know, the ECB by itself, its hikes will not be sufficient to offset this. Uh, the high inflation print we got this week indicates that um, these. Uh, you know, stagflationary slash recessionary concerns are still very much going to be at the forefront. But as I said, it's it's the stuff around uh, the power plant that could really end up curtailing more extreme tail risks and a space to watch. Um, I think 95 is, um, is not that, um, you know, sort of un- inconceivable, but, you know, initially in extreme, uh, in an extreme shock scenario of complete shutdown of gas uh, from Europe, uh, from uh, from Russia, we had we had put out a target of ninety uh, on an extreme sense or below. I think some of these um, some of these newer initiatives that um, the that Europe is undertaking could end up uh, sort of limiting how low uh, you know we can get on euro dollar from from an extreme standpoint. So I think that uh, you know that target of ninety is kind of uh, probably looking a bit of an extreme right now. But certainly ninety five is something that's something you know that we could still. Uh, uh, get to uh, as the second half uh, unfolds. And I'd say keeping the big picture in mind, look, at the end of the day, even with all these proposals, let's not forget the region will continue to grapple with the energy crisis. And that's not just going to be about this winter. I mean, clearly the severity of the winter will matter to the extent um, that storage facilities will be able to handle um, and provide adequate supply. But even beyond this, uh, beyond this winter, I think we have to keep in mind that there will be then a preoccupation of what the region is going to do for the winter of next year, when actually storage levels are going to be at running at much lower levels. So this issue is not really going away, um, and it's going to continue to be a constraint uh, for the region as a whole and uh, its attractiveness in terms of investability. So staying bearish on euro dollar uh, with the target of ninety five for now. So let's um, let's um, wrap up there. Um, in a nutshell, the summary of this is that we do expect all of these key levels to be broken. But clearly, the larger moves here are expected for dollar yen and euro dollar. Uh, euro dollar targets at 95. Dollar yen looks like uh, it could be approaching uh, to mid 140s. Uh, and then dollar CNY, our targets are tamer, but certainly we still underweight um, CNY here. Uh, and uh, the target of 705 on, uh, on dollar CNY. Uh, overall outlook for the dollar is still bullish. Any more uh, questions or comments, please reach out and uh, please access our research on jpmorgan.com. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2022 JP Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on September 2nd, 2022.